The scripture reading today is from uh, Genesis chapter 32. It's the entire chapter. If you'd like to follow along, you can do so in your own Bible, or if you don't have a Bible or would prefer to make sure you're reading the same version, it's in the Pew Bible, uh, and it can be found at page 34. It's Genesis 32. Now as Jacob went on his way, the angels of God met him. Jacob said when he saw them, This is God's camp. So he named that place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He also commanded them, saying, Thus you shall say to my lord Esau, Thus says your servant Jacob, I have sojourned with Laban, and I stayed until now. I have oxen and donkeys and flocks and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. The messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and furthermore he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people who were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two companies. For he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the company which is left will escape. Jacob said, O God, my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, Return to your country and to your relatives, and I will prosper you. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, and he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. So he spent the night there. Then he selected from what he had with him a present for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milking camels and their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He delivered them into the hand of his servants, every drove by itself, and said to his servants, Pass on before me and put a space between droves. He commanded the one in front, saying, When my brother Esau meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong? And where are you going? And to whom do these animals in front of you belong? Then you shall say, These belong to your servant, Jacob. It is a present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he is also behind us. Then he commanded also the second and the third and all those who followed the drove, saying, After this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And you shall say, Behold, your servant Jacob also is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present passed on before him. 
while he himself spent that night in the camp. Now he arose that same night and took his two wives and his two maids and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and he sent across whatever he had. Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When he saw that he had not prevailed against him he touched the socket of his thigh so the socket of Jacob's thigh was dislocated while he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him and said, Please, tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob named the place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been preserved. Now the sun rose upon him just as he crossed over Penuel, and he was limping on his thigh. Therefore to this day the sons of Israel do not eat the sinew of the hip which is in the socket of the thigh, because he touched the socket of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of the hip. This is God's word. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more eager to hear than we are to pray, and you always give us infinitely more than we can ever imagine or even deserve. Forgive us, O Lord, when our consciences are afraid. And grant us those good things for which we dare not ask, except through the merits and mediation of your most blessed Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Showdown at Jabbok. I want to submit to you that Genesis chapter 32 is one of the great chapters of the Bible. It doesn't seem like that the first time you read it. I suggest that you probably have to read it about four or five times to really understand what it says. And I'm glad to say that I've read it more than five times. So I think I understand a little bit about what it has to say. And I want to share that with you. I want to do so by drawing your attention to three words in the text. The first word is Jacob. The second word is Jabbok. And the third word, the third word is Peniel. I want to tie those three together by the one question that was asked of Jacob. Who are you? So that's a question for you. Who 
are you? The scene is fairly familiar to some of you. Jacob has been living a life by his own wits. And now he is at wit's end. He is between a rock and a hard place. He doesn't know what to do. He has swindled his brother Esau. He has had to run away. He has been in exile for 20 years. And he is returning. And as you can tell from the text, his brother Esau has 400 armed men. And he's coming to meet him. And he is scared. And he doesn't know what to do. He devises a plan to appease his brother, but he's not sure that his plan is going to succeed. And finally, he's left all alone. And in the midst of his loneliness, being all by himself, this hand reaches out and they are immersed in this tremendous wrestling match and they wrestle the scripture tells us until the break of the day Jacob I am sub- I submit believes that he is wrestling with another human being and in a certain sense this wrestling through the night is really a metaphor for the entire life of Jacob. He has been living by his wits and he has been wrestling and outmaneuvering other people. I mean he's had a couple of lumps along the way but he's been doing pretty good he thinks and he's in this wrestling match and then all of a sudden in the midst of this wrestling match his assailant reaches out and in the ring of an eye he is rendered helpless and there is such an explosion of power as he realizes immediately you know what if this guy had wanted to put me away at the very beginning he could have this guy was he realizes that he is totally helpless and now instead of wrestling he is now grabbing and holding on to this his assailant and he says he realizes he has nowhere to turn and instead of wrestling now and fighting he's actually doing what? he's actually clinging on for dear life and he turns to his assailant because he now realizes truly who his assailant is he realizes the assailant is really God and we know that from what he says later on so he holds on for dear life and we have some further information of what occurred at this scene from the prophet Hosea who said that he not only wrestled and he not only held on but he held on with tears and he was pleading and he said let me go and he says no then the voice of God says let me go for it's the break of day he says no I don't want you to let me go I'm helpless and he's holding on and he's begging he's no longer wrestling now he is begging and he says bless me and then comes the question who are you 
know, he has been brought, he has been brought very low, down to the very depths. He is helpless, he can't help himself. And he is asked the question, who are you? Why do you think God would ask him the question, who are you? Well, those of you who know the life of Jacob would know that the last time that question was asked in the text was when he deceived his father Isaac and received the blessing that was rightfully that Esau, Isaac really wanted to give to Esau. And when he entered and said, Who are you? He said, I am Esau, your firstborn. He lied on that occasion. You now he's being asked the same question again. Who are you? But what does he say? I am Jacob. I submit to you that there is so much there in that response. You see, Jacob was really <laughs> tells a great deal about who he had been all of his life. He had been the underhanded one, the one who has always been clutching at things, the one who has been the swindler, an artist, liar, cheat. All those kind of things were wrapped up in his response. I am Jacob. My friends, that's when we really meet God. When we are brought to the place where we have to admit who we are. With all of our faults, all of our warts, all of our sin, all of the ugliness, and we come before God and we say, this is who I am. But I want you to see what it took to bring Jacob to that point. He thought all of his life that he had been wrestling with other human beings. But he was never really wrestling with other human beings. He'd always been wrestling with God. God had laid out a plan on his life and said, when he was born, the elder should serve the younger. That was God's statement from the very beginning. But Jacob never wanted to do things God's way. He always wanted to do things his way. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so he was lying and cheating and you know, maneuvering and you know, all the underhanded things that he could think of in order to get by. He's even been bargaining with God along the way. He's always been living by his own standards. And he'd been wrestling with God and fighting with God because God can't bless a life like that. God has been protecting him. But God finally brought him to the place where he had to render him helpless. I think there's a great lesson here. Jacob has been living in the flesh. And in the flesh he's been wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And you know what? He just wouldn't give up. And when we wrestle against God in the flesh, 
It's only thing, one thing that God will ever do to us. Paul tells us what he does to the flesh. He says the carnal mind is our enmity with God. It will never submit to the law of God. Nor can it possibly do so. So God only does one thing to the flesh which will never submit. What is to do with it? He kills it. He crucifies it. He renders it absolutely powerless. And that is exactly what he did to Jacob. My friends, if God is ever going to bless us, he always has to bring us to our wit's end and destroy all confidence we have in ourselves. And when Jacob realized that he was helpless, hopeless, couldn't do anything for himself, it was then that God then was able to work. When he recognized who he was, and then he turned to God and asked for God's blessing. But it is then that he turned and he asked God, Who are you? It's almost as if now he wants to put a name to God. This is one of the great statements of the way that God deals with his people. When he revealed himself to Abraham and he revealed himself to Isaac, he told them who he was. I am El Shaddai. I am your exceedingly great reward. He identified himself and then in the course of their lives they saw who he was. But he doesn't work that way with He has the history of all those people to go on. And then he asked the question, what does God do? God says, why do you ask my name? He knew it was God. He says so. But God is not giving himself a name. Rather, God is allowing Jacob to do what? Name him out of his own experience with God. So often in our lives, we are looking for a, a sort of a homogenized experience, you know. We want God to do the same thing to us that he did to the other guy over there. God comes to each one of us in our own situation. And he reveals himself to us personally. He revealed himself to Paul in a totally different way on the Damascus Road than he revealed himself here to Jacob. But it's the same God that he meets and he reveals himself differently because they're different people and their situations are different. I suggested to you that Jacob had a special meaning. I also want to suggest to you that the word Jabbok has a special meaning. Jabbok was a little ford, a little stream that emptied itself into the river Jordan. What does Jabbok mean? Jabbok means emptying. Whenever we come to God, you know what we need to do? We need to empty ourselves of ourselves. 
because we are often very full of ourselves and God can't deal with that God brings all of us to a jabber because we need to be emptied of ourselves and that is exactly what he did to Jacob here but when God empties us of ourselves and he crushes us so that we will no longer be full of ourselves it is then that we see Peniel, the face of God then we understand clearly then who God is in our own lives that's what happened to Jacob he had that experience and now he sees the face of God and to see the face of God and to be welcomed into God's presence is to be at the place and in the place of divine favor and divine blessing it is then that God can work in our lives when he brings us to that place I tell you Jacob is really quite a character uh, let me be sure I have enough time here because it's not too far gone just want to share one last thought with you to show you the extent to which Jacob was just a conniving guy who was just trying to live by his own wits and he never really understood how God was working in his life at the beginning of this chapter it tells us that the angels of God met him and he called the name of the place what? Mananayim you know what that means? it means two camps you know how Jacob interpreted that? He interpreted that it means, well, it means I should probably divide my people into two camps because, you know, if one gets slaughtered, one would survive. You know, what was, you know what's the true meaning of that? That is an earthly camp, Jacob's earthly camp, and there's a heavenly camp. The Lord, of course, is sitting over on high. And you know what God is doing up here? He has been providing protection for Jacob all of his life. But Jacob never understood that at the time. He was still operating on the human level and seeing things only through the eyes of his own conniving, selfish viewpoint. So often in life we mistake the things that God is doing in our lives because we don't know how to read the signs of the times that's what Jesus said you know you look outside and you can see that it's you say hey look it looks like it's going to rain today you look out again and say it's going to be a sunny day people can do that but when it comes to the signs that God is giving us people don't know how to do that because they're walking in the flesh this is a perfect example of that going on in Jacob's life God has been protecting him all along and he protected him even to the point that he changed Esau's heart and Esau doesn't attack him but then there is a reconciliation and that's only possible because God was protecting him even when he didn't know that God was protecting him God is a loving God a faithful God one who loves us even when we are unlovely and 
cares for us even when we are uncaring. I submit to you that we are all Jacobs. But God wants to change us. And he wants to make out of all of us Israel. And do you know what Israel means? I suggest to you that it means the El is God and the Hebrew word there means to reign and it means God reigns. God brings us to the point where we surrender to him and he reigns in our life. And it is then that he became a prince of God. God has a strange way of working. He empties us of ourselves so that we become nothing of ourselves so we can become everything in Him. He reigns in our lives and when He reigns in our lives it is then that we are elevated and we become somebody. He who gives up his life for my sake will gain it. But when you hold on to what you have you will lose even that which you have. God always works in paradox. He who would exalt himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. If you want to live like Jacob, well, you will remain a Jacob. But if you surrender, then you could become an Israel. The choice always is yours and I want to suggest to you that this doesn't only apply to those who are outside the Christian faith and looking in and want to become a follower of Jesus Christ it also applies to followers of Jesus Christ that God also is continuing to work in our lives and to empty us of ourselves little by little so that he could become more to put more of himself into us so we can be like him Jabba, Peniel that exchange is going on all the time throughout our lives give us the grace oh God that we can see the hand of God at work in our lives let us pray we thank you oh God that you are a faithful God, faithful to your word, and that you work in our lives. Your unseen hand is at work in our lives in ways that we don't even know, understand, or far less fathom. We thank you for your great providence. And we thank you, dear God, that you never give up, that you always bring us back to yourself. Because you are a loving God who is faithful and true to your word. Bless us, O God, and may your face always shine upon us. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.